Good afternoon, everyone. Just want to say hello to all of our visitors. We are so glad that the Lord have led you this way, and we are encouraged by your presence. Um, and this morning, we are going to continue our overview, uh, you could say our review of Colossians chapter 1. And so if you would, please turn with me to Colossians chapter 1. Today we will be reading verses 1 through 14 for context to help us better understand the main passages of the scripture that we will be considering for this morning. Um, just want to begin by saying, beginning in verse 9, you will see Paul giving an update in how he regularly prays for the Colossian Christians. He, his prayers consist of the will of God for this church and God's almighty power at work in their lives unto completion because God sees it through. God is the one who's in control in how we advance in the Christian life. Then he closes his prayers with thanksgiving by acknowledging the sovereign plan of God to deliver and redeem his people from sin, and for that reason alone, Christians ought not to ever forget that. So follow along with me as I read Colossians 1, beginning at verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brothers, brother, to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Of this you have heard before in the word, the truth, the gospel, which has come to you as indeed in the whole world, it is bearing fruit and increasing, as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth just as you learned it from Epaphras, our, brother, our beloved fellow servant, he is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the Spirit. And so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing 
in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom, this is beautiful, we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. Amen. Let us pray. Our Lord and our God, how we thank you that we are forgiven. We thank you for calling us your redeemed, and your word reminds us to say so. And so, Lord, we thank you. We thank you for how you have given us life, though we were dead in trespasses and in sin. Lord, as we approach your word, we pray that you would give clarity and understanding. We pray that even the little children will be able to understand. And we pray that by faith, the unbelieving one will come to faith and know you as Lord and as Savior. Lord God, help us now. As we look into your word, we ask in Jesus' name, amen. So as you know from the email I sent out, the sermon is entitled, Pray This Way. So on today... I will be discussing five elements or ways we as a church can pray. I'll list them as we go. So in what ways can our church pray for one another? In verse 9, Paul states, And so from the day we heard, we have not We have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Paul was not intending to stop praying for this church. The question is, do we have that mentality? Are we intentional about our prayers Do we take prayer seriously? We're we're a church who do pray. We have seen God work amongst us, right? We've prayed for our dear brother who had cancer. The Lord heard our prayers, and our brother is healed, right? We prayed for Barbara when she had her eyesight, having problems with her eyes. And God heard our prayers. And things are well. Amen? So so we're familiar with prayers. 
But it doesn't mean we don't need to be reminded to continue in prayer. And so Paul was encouraging this church to have this mentality. Are we saying to ourselves, are we saying to ourselves we need to intend to never stop praying? Are we on mission for Christ in building up his kingdom? Do we see the necessity of prayer? If we say yes, then that means that there ought to be more of us valuing the prayer time. And so we want to encourage you to come out to prayer. On next week, we're going to be beginning in our prayer room, prayer. And so those of you who are able, take advantage of the opportunity to grab hold of the handle that is, uh, is, is, is the means by which the kingdom of God is built. We're all taking our position. We're all taking a role. And prayer is the place where everyone can step in and participate. And so Paul, Paul saw prayer as being necessary. Prayer for Paul was mandatory. It was not an option. He prayed for this church to be filled with the knowledge of God. Therefore, we must pray in this way. We must pray and do the same. The first element we have in our praying for the church is pray for our church to be filled with the knowledge of God. Human beings can only know God intellectually. They can only observe what God has done. Christians, on the other hand, can know God in a real way through a personal relationship. It's unique. It's, it's, it's amazing that we have this unique relationship with God that no one else in the world has. Only his chosen one. The called out ones, those who are the children of God. So according to the text, there are certain elements we must pray for concerning the knowledge of God. That means as Christians and as the church, the first element we must pray for is this. We must pray to be filled with the wisdom of God. And in the original to be filled means to be full. It means to make complete. It, it means to finish. The sense of the word is to be fully supplied, to, to become generously supplied. Human wisdom lacks the ability to understand God's wisdom. God's wisdom is beyond measure. In Psalm 147 and 5, the scripture says, Great is our Lord, and
and abundant in power. His understanding is beyond measure. The main reason why we need to pray for one another is because of our inability to know all things. We need God on every front, in every way, for every circumstance. But we have to be intentional. We have to be intentional. God's wisdom is superior to any human wisdom on the face of the earth. That's why we can't even trust ourselves. We might feel strong about what we believe in, but we can't trust that in the same way we trust the authority of God's word, right? So God's wisdom, we must treat it, and as we try to do, as superior In Romans 11.33, the scripture states, Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. The wisdom of God will baffle us. It perplexes us. In Isaiah 40, Israel had forgotten about God's Wondrous attributes. They even concluded that God didn't even care. But in Isaiah 40, verse 28, the scripture states the incomprehensible nature of God's wisdom, stating in verse 28, Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God. The creator of the ends of the earth, he does not faint or grow weary. His understandable, his understanding is unsearchable. That's the confidence we have when we go down on our knees to approach the Lord, to approach the Lord, the throne of grace. Getting all choked up there. Too excited. But the word of God does that, right? It it excites us because of this unique relationship we have. And so these are the kinds of things we need when we're going through the difficulties of life. Next week, we will enjoy the benefit of having our meeting room returned to us. And it's amazing how in God's providence, we would hear a message on prayer the week before our meeting room will be over. Maybe God is preparing us. Maybe we ought to be expecting for something great for what God is about to do. We ought to be highly anticipating what God might do in our lives. To God be the glory, amen? So as we meet with God in prayer and as we face hardships and unfavorable circumstances, we must remember God's wisdom is superior to ours. In addition, the knowledge of God consists of having spiritual insight. That means we must pray for us to be filled with the insight of God. Spiritual insight is the ability 
to appreciate God in matters of providence. This too is a gift from God to the church. Paul tells Timothy, Timothy about being a good soldier of Christ in 2 Timothy 2 and in verse 7. He encourages him to gain insight from the things he had stated to him. Paul states to him in verse 7, think over what I said. For, For the Lord will give you understanding in everything. May God give us insight as his church to do his will. The second element we must pray for is pray for the church to live in a manner worthy of God. This section points to our sanctification. Yes, we are justified in Christ and we cannot lose our salvation. However, we are undone and God is still at work in us. Amen. All we got to do is ask wives and husbands. Children, ask parents, right? We, we see that God is still working on us. And so uh, we, we can embrace that. In other words, what I'm trying to say is we got issues, right? So in a church where there are sinners who are saved by grace, we need to recognize that we have some issues. And that's okay because we know that Christ have settled every account, right? And we need to rest in that. We need to get, not get caught up and hung up by what's not happening because that's not the finished product. God is not done yet. So why would we walk out when God is not done and he haven't walked out? Amen? So, so, We want to embrace what God is doing, embrace the trouble, embrace the the persecutions that we may face, embrace the difficulties because God is in control. He's in control of it all. And so unresolved issues is, is still present. Sometimes we obey God and sometimes we disobey. That simply means that none of us has, has, has arrived. But what Paul has in mind here is really about how we sow and what we sow. In the grand scheme of things, only God truly deserves honor and praise and wholehearted devotion. But Paul's prayer for this church is for them to walk in a manner worthy of of the Lord. Walk in the original means live. It means to go about, to walk around, to behave. In other words, to conduct yourself in a certain way. The sense here is, the sense is, is to live or behave in a specified manner. Worthy means worthily. In a manner suitable. In other words, we want to walk in a way that's befitting or deserving of the Lord. 
So we are to pray like that. We must pray for us to walk or to live worthily unto the Lord. In verse 10, Paul informs this church about how he prays for them, stating he prays for them to walk in a manner worthy unto the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. Revelations 5.12 says this about the Lord, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. Worthy is the Lamb. Philippians 2, 9 and 11 says, Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father what we want to pray for. We want to pray that we would walk giving God the glory in our lives, walking worthily unto him. And so pray for us to live or to walk in a way that fully pleases the Lord. The word fully here means in every or total Every kind, anything that you can think of is good. Walk in that way. In other words, don't leave anything out, right? But, but to walk worthily unto to the Lord. In other words, consider everything. We must look to our lives and pay attention to the details, right? Right, to our, to our own details, Right? And in other words, don't overlook anything. Pay close attention to the lifestyle. Pleasing God is, is not an external exercise. It's really about the heart. This is an essential aspect of our lives. The Lord wants us to be totally committed to him. We see this in Romans 12. In Romans 12, verses 1 and 2, Paul states, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercy of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Then it says, do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Pleasing God is always better than pleasing man. That means as Christians we must beware of our attitude. We must guard ourselves 
from anything that displeases God. In 1 John 1 and 7, it says, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. That points to our unity. We're to be unified as a church. But it happens when we're walking in the light, when we're walking according to the truth. Why? Because the text says, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. God will accept our deeds when our deeds are done with the right motive. If our motives are wrong, our deeds are unacceptable. And so, do good for the right reasons. We must check to see if we're pleasing God or pleasing self. And so, what results are you expecting for what you're doing for God? Are you expecting results that are pleasing to yourself, to ourself? Or are we doing things for the glory and honor of God? Are we doing things because we're expecting to receive something? Something for us to think about. The third element for inclusion in our prayer prayers is pray for our church to bear fruit for God. This includes every member, no member left behind. In other words, we all are to bear fruit. And bearing fruit means that we are to be producing. And, and in the day, Paul is thinking about crops. Right? He's thinking about investments, sowing, that idea of sowing seeds again here is showing up. And so to, to bear fruit means to produce crop, to cause results. And the sense here means to produce actions that are natural consequences and befitting to one's nature. It's, it's bearing fruit according to its kind. If we are of God, then we're to bear fruits, the fruit of God. Right? And so that's what we're challenged here to do, is we're to pray that we would bear fruit. And so our fruit must be good. This, either our seed will be sown on good soil or it's not. And so we have to be intentional with the kind of seed that we're sowing. Christians are to do good works because they, they prove our identity in Christ. Doing good is the evidence or the fruit that we've been redeemed and rescued by God to do good works, right? 
So, so this is unnatural for the human being because by nature, it is our custom to do what we want to do. You see, and that's contrary to the will of God. God blocks that, right? He wants us to do that which would allow us to have fellowship with God. And so we must accept his plan, his purposes. And therefore, in the ultimate sense, the natural man cannot do anything good because by nature, man is sinful. In Ecclesiastes 7.20, it states, Surely there is not a righteous man on earth who does good and never sins. No one. No one. There's no one on the face of the earth that never sins. Therefore, they're disqualified to stand before a holy and righteous God and say, I'm in. I can come into your kingdom based upon what I've done. Can't do it. Can't do it. We all fail. That's why we need a savior. That's why we need a go-between, a mediator between man and God. God's children are encouraged to do good regularly without reservation. In other words, keep sowing good seed. Right? Just think of it, we had a, a crop that we wanted to produce. Uh, we, we don't produce the crop solely on the basis of how we feel, right? No, come rain, sleet, or snow, we're going to be throwing seed if our life depends on it. You see, this is the urgency that we ought to have when we're doing works for God. We're to continue doing good. But you know what? Sometimes Christians behave like the world. And in other words, we treat, we, we treat people good only if they treat us good. But that's not what God has called us to. God has called us to die. To die. To die. Deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow him. That's what we've been called to. So it's not dependent upon how somebody treats us. We're just going to continue sowing good seeds. So our actions in many cases can't be determined by how others treat us and we, we can't get tired of doing good, right? Because that, again, will be dependent upon us. But listen to Galatians 6 and see if that's what the Scripture teaches. In Galatians 6, 9 through 10, it states, And let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season we will reap if we do not give up. And then he says, so then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, right? Everyone, especially to those who are of the household of faith. 
So you got to double down when it comes to us, right? We don't get average because we're not average. We're the chosen ones. And so there needs to be a different reaction to how we treat one another. We must always seek to do good to one another without growing weary. We're not to get tired in doing good. We're commanded to be strong in the Lord. Don't give up. Don't give in because harvest is coming. Keep sowing good seed. Maybe the reason why something bad keeps happening is because we're using bad seed. Maybe the difficulties that we're facing is tied to the kind of seeds we're sowing. And so we're not getting results, the results that we want. Therefore, we reap a bad investment. Check the seed to see if it's God's seed. Sometimes we're doing things and we don't know why. But, but if we suffer and we're doing good, we can rest in the confidence of God that God is sovereign and he'll make all things right. 1 Peter 4.19 says, Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls, right, to a faithful creator while doing good. So pray for us that we would bear fruit increasing in the knowledge of God. In other words, spiritual growth is a process that has levels to it. And those levels are progressions in the development of the believer. God is at work in each and every one of us individually and collectively for his will and for his glory. And so we must be reminded that when difficulty comes, God is working. God is intending. We must intend to increase in the knowledge of God through prayer. That's how we come to know God. We come to know him through prayer and through his word, through relationship. So the fourth element we ought to pray for is pray for our church to be strengthened by God. According to verse 11, we must pray continuously, strengthening by the sovereign power of God. These Colossians, these Colossian Christians needed to know this. They, they, and maybe we need to know this or be reminded of this too. They needed to know that their strength came from God. Stop trusting in man. Or be careful not to trust in man. In their culture, People look to worldly things and ideas to live by. 
emperors made themselves deities. They were false, but this was the challenge that they had because the way Colossae was built, you had to go through the, the road that, that led to the pagan nation. And so Colossae had all kinds of people. It was a diverse people. And so that's why you, you didn't have one major thing there, but you had multiple religions there. Multiple ways in which people would worship. And Paul is encouraging these Christians that their strength comes from God, comes from the true and living God. Paul wanted them to know of the almighty power of God. And so they had to put away selfish ambitions in order that they may continue living for God in a way that is worthy to the Lord. So pray that we continue being strengthened by God for endurance and patience. In our hour of suffering, we must learn to be patient by doing two things. We must commit ourselves to the almighty God. We we, we must be committed. Pain and suffering cannot be determining factors as to why we do good and as to why God is good. We can't lose that. And so so that's, to, 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 to say it this way, that's like... Someone saying to their spouse, I'll I'll love you as long as I feel good. That's a problem, right? Today, me and Sandra celebrate 23 years of marriage. And if, if, if it was dependent upon how we felt, she probably could attest to this, that we'd have been done, Right? But thanks be unto God and his grace, right, we still have relationship that is not dependent upon us, but solely upon the grace of God. And I testify that God is good. And so we, we do good to one another, the church. Because we understand that the grace of God is at work in all of our lives because he lives in us, right? The gospel keeps everything healthy. It keeps our marriage healthy because even when there are difficulties, we can endure. And when it's time to be patient, we can be patient. Because it's dependent upon him. As a church, we must learn to continue to do the same in being patient and being loving with one another. And not to say we're we're not doing these things, but I'm preaching the text. And Paul is reminding this church of these things. And as a church, we must take note of it. We saw this in the scripture also, if we look back to the Old Testament. If we look back, Abraham and Sarah, who did wait, 
who did not wait for God to give them the promised son. They were impatient, right? And so we have to learn how to be patient. The scripture warns us against impatience because it shows a lack of faith in God and a refusal to wait for things to develop. We saw this in the life of Esau. He had a lack of patience that cost him his birthright. The prodigal son couldn't wait for his inheritance. So we see this happening over and over in the scriptures where people were impatient with God. The scripture says in Psalm 37, 7, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourselves over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. Then Proverbs 19 and 2, desire without knowledge is not good, but whoever make haste with his feet misses his way. Impatience never rewards it never rewards, it only shows that we have not waited. In what areas of your life are you impatient? Is it your children? Is it your spouse? Is it your parents, your coworkers, your friends? Or is it your brothers and sisters in Christ? This is the question we must wrestle with. We're being challenged by the scriptures to deal with ourselves. And lastly, the fifth element we have to add to our prayers is pray for our church to be thankful to God. Don't forget this. This is very, very important. Thanksgiving is essential to prayer. It's an element in Paul's life that was constant. Paul never stopped praying for this church, even though he never met them face to face. That's a lot to be consistent, to be constant in prayer for those you don't even know. How much more should we pray for one another for the sake of Christ, for those whom we see on a regular basis? How intentional should we be? And if you're already sowing these good seeds, praise the Lord and amen. I would only say continue. Keep going. Keep running. In other words, don't stop in the middle of the race. Run through the tape. Run with all vigor, with all of your strength, with all of your might. We saw it in the Lord that he prayed so much that sweat like drops of blood came out of him. 
our Lord was very intentional, even when those who was his boys, his close friends that he can depend on, who was always there most of the time, right? But he went on with the plan of God because it mattered. And we must do the same. We must continue on with the plan of God. And so, Brother Paul was committed to Christ. And with this perspective, he never saw the need to stop praying for the church because he knew that the Lord loved his bride. He knew not to treat her, but only a certain kind of way that was pleasing unto the Lord. Paul understood gratitude. You see, we saw that with the ten lepers, right? And we saw how they were healed and the nine ran. And then one of them pivot and say, wait a minute. I got to go back to show my gratitude. And the Lord said, where is the nine? Right? And so we're called to this kind of expression to show gratitude and appreciation, not only for God, but for his children. Brothers and sisters in Christ, because of our relationship, because of how we know God and have come to know God, it ought to prompt us to be intentional in our relationships. And so pray that we remain thankful. I'm not saying that we're not thankful here. We're, we're thankful of, another, of one another. Uh, we saw that, you know, um, well, it was communicated yesterday uh, in the work day. The reason why everything is clean and, and looking beautiful and, and nice is because brothers and sisters took time out of their day to serve us. That's love. Right? Love costs us something. Love is, is not something that is freely given to all. And so this is necessary for the church. And we ought to express this. Pray that we remain thankful because of what the Father did. Right? We see that at the end of the text, right? Verse 13, he, the Father, has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son. If all what I said is not enough, that, that'll do it. Look to the cross. Look what the Father did. He gave his only begotten, his beloved. So pray that we remain thankful for what the Father did and pray, in verse 14, it says, pray that we remain thankful for what the Son did. Verse 14, in whom in Christ we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. That's what we ought to remember. And it's, it's interesting that Paul put this at the end of these verses because it seems to be that this is the foundation to what we ought to do. 
In everything we do, lay it on the gospel. That's enough motivation for us. There may be someone here today that has not yet been rescued by God through faith. In other words, you haven't been given access to God. Therefore, you don't have personal relationship with him. People think they do. But when two parties come into a relationship, both parties must agree. It's the same way with God. He has provided a way for sinners to come into relationship with him. God intends for all of his creatures to have relationship with him. But there must be an agreement between God and man. In other words, sinners agree that they are in need of a Savior. Only then can sinners receive salvation through faith in Jesus Christ and be rescued from sin, believe that he was buried in in a grave and he rose up from the grave and is now seated at the right hand of the Father, interceding on our behalf. Believe and be set free from sin, from death, and from hell. That's the agreement. If you don't know him, will you sign the agreement? And the way you sign it is through faith. No works. You don't have to even pick up a pen. But trust him. Believe that when he died, he died for your sin was buried for your sins and rose again from the grave for your sins. And you will be saved on the basis of what you believe because faith is the dividing line between man and God. Unless you place faith in Jesus Christ, you're done. You have to face his righteous wrath, his righteous indignation, in which nobody will be able to stand. But you can say no deal to that and accept the free payment, the ransom that was paid on your behalf in full for all eternity from inception to the grave. Done. Set free. Chains fall. You're free man. Chosen. Beloved of God. A child of God. Let us pray. Our Lord and our God, we give you thanks for your word. We pray that your word will continue to edify us. That when we leave here, we will still be wrestling and convicted and challenged and moved by your word. We ask all these prayers in order, but the name of Christ we pray. Amen.